Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. I'm back after a long hiatus. The season is almost here. We're like three weeks out, so I really got to get on top of it with all my previews. Today we're going to be previewing the NFC North, going through one team at a time, talking about free agent additions, some players that were lost, talking about all the moves they made in the offseason, how they're going to affect this upcoming season. I'm also going to be doing record predictions for every single team. Obviously, we're going to start off with the Bears. I'm going to finish with the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to have timestamps below, so if you just want to skip to your team, feel free to do that, and I hope you guys enjoy. Let's get right into it. Alright guys, so before I get into anything at all, I just genuinely want to say that I think the NFC North is going to be super competitive and I think it's going to be a really, really tight race for the division. I genuinely think that every single team in this division has a chance of winning it and obviously I'm a little bit biased. I am a Bears fan. There's been a lot of buzz around them this offseason and for good reason. I mean, they've made, excuse me, they've made a lot of splash moves. And some of the biggest moves in all of free agency, they've been spending a lot more money than we've seen in years past. They still have some money to spend as well when it goes to next year. But my point is, as I was making this, I really did talk myself into the Chicago Bears. I can't lie. I still am a little bit skeptical and being more realistic. Their ceiling probably isn't quite where I have it at, especially looking at where they were last year. I mean, last year as a team, they were 23rd in offense and dead last easily in defense. And it wasn't really close. They allowed 463 points last year. That was easily last in the NFL. Obviously finished with the worst record in the league. But they were more competitive than that. I know it really doesn't show it, but on paper, they had some really, really close games. A lot of games were lost by a single field goal or a single possession. In many cases, it came down to the wire, and they just couldn't pull it out. Regardless, this it was a pretty competitive football team next or last year, and I think this upcoming year, they're ready to take that leap and really win the division if they hit you know their ceiling and everything comes together in the right way, which I really do think it can. But... Let's just get right into it because let's talk about Bears football. Obviously, I'm a Bears fan. I'm biased, and I'm not going to get to the record portion. Once I get there, you'll realize maybe I'm a little bit delusional, but I genuinely think there is some reason to this. So before we get into all that, let's talk about some offseason additions the Bears had. Obviously, the biggest name is Tremaine Edmonds. He was signed to a four-year contract, the replacement for Roquan Smith, getting paid $18 million a year annually. That's how it comes out to be. I don't know if it's exactly front-loaded or back-loaded, so again, it might not be exactly that, but the point is, it's a four-year contract. He's going to be a Chicago Bear for a little while. He's still a very young linebacker who is a two-time Pro Bowler and is known best for his coverage skills, and that really fits this Matt Eberflus defense just seamlessly. I mean, Matt wants to play a lot of cover two, and with that coverage, one of the biggest weaknesses of it is you need linebackers that can cover. You need linebackers that can carry a vertical route up the seam because it really puts a lot of stress on those safeties when you have a lot of vertical routes. And Tremaine Edmonds is a guy who's going to be playing that Shaq Leonard or Darius Leonard, whatever he goes by now. I seriously don't mean any disrespect. I just genuinely don't know. He's going to be playing that role. So he's, you know, a little bit lighter framed of 
a, a linebacker and is just going to be flying around covering sideline to sideline and picking up those vertical stretch routes, whether it be on a running back or a shifty slot receiver. There are times where he's going to have to go straight up man-to-man coverage, even though, you know, he Matt Eberflus wants to teach these zone principles. It's not like you're going to be calling that every time. And even if you are calling that, there are times in cover two when it becomes straight up man-to-man. And Tremaine Edmonds can definitely hold his own in that regard. We've seen that in Buffalo. That's what he was best at while he was there. Needs some improvement as a run blocker, but he has all the tools in the world to still improve in that game. I mean, even as a two-time pro bowler, who I don't think he's ever had less than 100 tackles in his career, he's... You could argue he's still only getting better. I believe he's only 25 years old. So really, really like that signing there. Again, I I was a little skeptical of it at the time because I just don't really think that's how you build a football team. I think you need to build in the trenches, but that was addressed in the draft. So I really understood what Matt Eberfuss was going for there. And again, Matt didn't really make, I'm going to preference this by saying Matt and I guess Ryan Poles, they didn't really make many huge splash moves in free agency as far as superstar names, but they just got a bunch of guys that are going to be really, really good fits in their system defensively. I'm going to talk about the defensive additions first, and then I'll obviously get into the big names on offense, one of which really stands out above the rest, but we'll get to that in a second. They also signed TJ Edwards, another really good linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles last year. Helped them tremendously in their run to the Super Bowl championship or Super Bowl game, not Super Bowl championship, um, winning the NFC championship game. He was a stud for them. Almost 160 tackles on the year, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe he did have 160 tackles. Either way, tackling machine, really, really solid in the run game. A guy that was at the benefit of playing in front of that or behind, I guess, that Philadelphia defensive line that just kept him clean. And the Bears are going for something similar here. They don't have a ton of superstars in the defensive line, but they added some really good names in the draft and in free agency, one of which being Demarcus Walker, the other of which being Andrew Billings. Both of these guys were added as free agents. Demarcus Walker really had a breakout year last year for the Titans, has some inside-outside versatility, had some really good power that he showed on tape, breaking out with seven sacks last year, and just a good rotational piece. Um, I don't think he's going to be an every-down starter, but he, he doesn't really necessarily need to be either. And again, broke out last year, has some potential that maybe could still be unlocked. And I just really like the way he fits in our scheme because he can do a whole lot of of everything, honestly. And then Andrew Billens, just absolute monster of a nose tackle. Again, another guy who had a career year last year. And in this Bears defense, this is so important. They're not really looking for superstar pass rushing potential in the interior. They showed that with how they signed free agents and also how they are drafted in the NFL draft, it's more so about just freeing up your linebackers and letting them work in space because we do have two very athletic linebackers now. Obviously, Jack Sanborn showed a lot of potential in that regard. And then just having one pass rush specialist in Yannick Ngakwe, this is very much a system defense. It's so similar to what we saw in Indianapolis with DeForest Buckner really wreaking havoc as their three tech. And then they just had a bunch of dudes. They didn't have a lot of superstars, but they just had a lot of guys that would get it done and a lot of guys that fit that system very well. Matt Eberflus is trying to replicate that. He's trying to get a lot of beef up front on the defensive line and then have the linebackers fly around, have the cover guys, you know. He wants coverage sacks. That's really what it's going to be about. He wants long physical corners that can jam you at the line, keep the receivers from getting vertical too quickly because that really does stress the safeties. And even when they do get vertical, 
Eddie Jackson is so good at that, making up ground. Jaquan Brisker is going to be the guy that's playing lower down into the box. I mean, for God's sakes, he led our team in sacks last year as a rookie strong safety. So Eddie Jackson's really going to be playing more of that ball hawk role. He was really, really good for us last year before he got injured. Um, if he can stay healthy, he can have another all pro type of year. But again, excuse me, just signing a bunch of guys. The point I'm trying to make is Iberflus has just signed a bunch of guys that fit what we do best. He doesn't want, you know, to change his game plan. He doesn't want to change his playbook around his players. He wants to take his playbook because he knows cover two is a very good defensive scheme that has won a lot of team Super Bowls. And he just wants to find players that fit that mold and can do that best so they can do what he's good at and what he's good at coaching at. Um, and I mean, I really think that the personnel, although it's not elite, he got a lot of guys that are really good at doing that. I mean, Billens is a great run defender. He's going to eat up a lot of space. Gervin Dexter and Zach Pickens, two guys that were drafted, you hope can develop into those. Obviously, you hope that they have some pass rushing inside. And Zach Pickens actually did get a sack in the last preseason game. So that's a really good step you like to see. But more so, you just want them to be disruptive and just interrupt plays and create opportunities for other guys around them. Because some of the best interior defensive linemen, of course, it helps when you have a Chris Jones or a Jeffrey Simmons or an Aaron Donald. Of course, pressure from the interior is becoming more and more valuable in this league. But if they can just contribute immediately by being disruptors and you don't necessarily need the sack numbers, if they can just, you know, command double teams and occasionally pressure every now and then, that's going to put so much more pressure on the quarterback and the offensive line as a whole. And it's going to free up guys like Unique Ngakwe, who is not the biggest guy, is not very effective, effective excuse me, in the run game, but he's a pass rush specialist. And in those third and long situations, you can really just let him loose because of the dirty work being done by an Andrew Billings, by a Zach Pickens, by a Gervin Dexter, by a guy like Justin Jones, who is still on the team and has some upside. He is still a young player. So defensively, they just signed and drafted a bunch of guys that fit their system. I mentioned earlier that in the system, you need cornerbacks that are long and strong and can jam at the line. The Chicago Bears absolutely have that. They still have Jalen Johnson, who is just a couple years removed from looking like an, a young up-and-coming star in this league at corner. Obviously, last year wasn't his best year, and now he's in contract disputes with the Chicago Bears, but it sounds like he's not going to end up holding out. And honestly... There are times, we've seen it time and time again, just happened last year with Josh Jacobs. When a player is playing for a contract, there's there's legit evidence that they play better. There's legit evidence that that motivation, you know, has them playing 110% every single down. And he has something to prove this year. He's got a fat chip on his shoulder because the Chicago Bears have been drafting a lot of DBs as of recently. And it looks like they might move on from him. He wants to prove that he's worth holding on to and worth giving a big contract to. And then in addition to that, Tyreek Stevenson was drafted as well, as was Terrell Smith. These are two cornerbacks that are both over six feet tall, both over 200 pounds. Obviously, Kyler Gordon was drafted last year. He's also over six feet and over 200 pounds. So, I mean, again... This is just a system draft, and they're getting their guys that they like. Even though I'm not the highest on Tyreek Ty Stevenson, sorry. Um, if you heard me talk about my cornerback rankings, he is someone that I think was honestly a little bit overhyped. I, th I think he was like third team all ACC, and he was getting buzz as a second round pick. Obviously, ended up going late in the second round to the Chicago Bears. Someone I wasn't that high on. I don't think he had the best ball skills, but... As a physical specimen, he definitely fits what the Chicago Bears want to do. He is a long 
rangy corner that can play very physical. Not the fastest guy, but can press at the line and can develop into one of those bullies of a cornerbacks that you just can't, you know, get his hands off of you. So from that point of view, I totally get what they were trying to do there. And then Noah Sewell, another guy that honestly I wasn't very high on. Go Ducks. Loved watching him at Oregon. He's a stud. His brother's a stud. Um, always have a lot of love for my Oregon Ducks because obviously I went there. Uh, <laughs> didn't end up staying there, but still got a lot of love for Oregon. But in this system, with all these big guys in front of him, I mentioned having a beefy offensive line that can just free up linebackers. Noah Sewell basically only needs one job. If he ends up finding the field this season, it's going to be as a blitzer. It's going to be on third downs, and he's going to be screaming off the, you know, in the C gap, in one of those gaps un unmanned, and he can go after uh, quarterbacks at an incredible pace. He is one of, if not the best blitzing linebackers I've seen in a long time coming out the draft. It really is like kind of his one thing he can do extraordinarily well, but in a heavy passing league, when you have really beefy guys in front of you, that's a very valuable skill set to have. And he can find seriously like valuable playing time in this defensive scheme on those third and long situations, just rushing the passer and forcing the hand of the quarterback. Other than that, in the draft, they added Darnell Wright, obviously a very big name. Let's just shift to the offensive side of the additions. Obviously, Darnell Wright may have more to prove as a a pass blocker but as a run blocker he's an absolute mauler works really well in space he's huge very very athletic i love the way he fits this system because obviously luke getsy coming from that green bay kyle shanahan type offense that we're going to run a lot of outside zone obviously we're going to run a lot of rpos run pass options if you don't know what that is with justin fields um and you know just stress out the defense get them stretched you know east and west so then Hitting north is just that much harder, if that expression makes sense. Basically, you're stretching the defense vertically or horizontally so you can penetrate vertically. I hope that makes sense. I mean, I don't know why that wouldn't. But either way, Darnell Wright, a really, really good fit in that offense because he is just a mauler. And again, has some work to do pass blocking. But realistically, if our run game is as effective as I think it can be, and I genuinely think I'll go out of my way to say... I think it's going to be one of the best, if not the best, rushing teams in the NFL. I think just last year, we were the best rushing team in the NFL, statistically-wise. Um, obviously, there's different arguments that you can say it wasn't. But I mean, just looking at the numbers, I think we had the most rushing yards in the NFL. I think that is just going to make everyone's job pass blocking much easier. If you have to respect the run each and every single down then it just stresses the DBs that much more. You need an extra guy in the box to deal with that run game. This offense is going to be pretty straightforward. It's going to be run, run, play action, run, run, play action, repeat. You know what I mean? It's going to be a lot of RPOs. It's going to be a lot of bootlegs. It's going to be a lot of getting Justin Fields in motions, get him working outside the pocket, and then just check downs. And then once that big shot develops, play action, take a shot downfield. I mean, this isn't news. We saw this last year. They just weren't able to pull it off on every single, you know, drive. And there were times that it flashed. And uh, for example, that Miami game, that was incredible. The RPO was working extremely well. Justin Fields broke the single game rushing rush record for a quarterback. But we just qu didn't quite have the personnel along the offensive line and the weapons. Now we have both with a guy like DJ Moore coming in. Obviously, I haven't mentioned yet, was building the suspense to that one. That was easily the biggest move of our offseason. Trading the first overall pick for two first-rounders, one this year, another one next year, and DJ Moore. 
absolute steal in my opinion dj Moore, you know one of the best young receivers in this league very very underrated after the catch which i think fits in our system really well obviously we saw that with that bubble screen very first snap of dj Moore being a bear in an actual live game takes a screen pass straight to the crib 62 yards it just shows you the potential and again that was on the titans starting defense so it says a lot about what he can do as a receiver not only is he a crafty route runner and quarterback friendly king has a large catch radius but also the ability to get yards after the catch that's something the bears lacked severely last year obviously darnell mooney played pretty well uh, Chase Claypool came in through halfway through the year and we really didn't see much from him but bringing DJ Moore in it's going to take pressure off of Claypool it's going to take pressure off of Mooney and it's going to take a ton of pressure off of Fields and again I think he's just a great system fit and honestly when you have a wide receiver as talented as he is you can basically throw him into any system but in this system in particular working with yards after the catch and just getting the ball out of Justin Fields hands quickly making him you know get to the right reads one more year in this offense, I really think that this fit is going to be so excellent for Justin Fields. And we've seen this time and time again, getting a young quarterback, a young wide receiver to pair with him for the future, it really does end up helping them in the long run. And it's certainly helped with development. We've seen it with quarterbacks like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, and I'm just so excited to see what this Bears offense can do. In addition, they also added a bunch of running back depth they added Deontay Foreman they added Roshan Johnson in the draft and they also added Travis Homer who's more of a pass blocking back but Roshan Johnson this guy was an absolute steal I genuinely think he would have been a second or third round pick if it wasn't for him being behind Bijan Robinson at the time I didn't really love this pick honestly the Bears draft as a whole has just grown on me a ton the more I look at it the more I look at how they're going to fit in this offense I really do like this draft a lot. When it was going on live, I think there was a lot of other guys I would have rather had, like a John Michael Schmitz would have been awesome at center, but I totally get why they did what they did. And you can tell Pace, Eberflus, and Getsky all had their part in this offseason, in this draft, and they really addressed their biggest needs. Nate Davis, another guy who came in at guard, sounds like he's been beat up, and I don't even think he's practiced yet, which is a little bit concerning there. But if he is on the field, he's a great system fit. Obviously helped Derrick Henry in Tennessee rush for 2,000 yards. He is a fantastic guard. Played in a very similar system where it's going to be very run heavy. Some RPOs mixed in there and then a lot of play action. So he's he should seamlessly fit in when he is back on the field. Hopefully he can get back healthy soon because he's a fantastic guard when he is playing. And again, I'm just really, really excited to see this offense. I'm As a Bears fan, I just think there's so many ways to go with it. And I just fucking hope that we have one year of at least being competitive. But now the part that we've all been waiting for, obviously basically covered everything I wanted to cover. And I'm probably going to spend the most time on the Bears than I am on every other team. Any other team, excuse me, because, well, I just simply know the most about them. And I could talk about them all fucking day. But for the part that we've all been waiting for, this is the part that I'm definitely going to get the most shit for. The record prediction. I'm going to go week by week really quickly just list off each game and then i'm gonna tell you what that adds up to so week one packers at bears packers visiting soldier field obviously september 10th gonna be a really big game shout out jasper if you're listening to this you're fucked (laughs) so i have the bears winning that one pulling off the w at home giving the home crowd what they want building the hype starting off one and oh undefeated season on the way no i'm kidding number two 
Week two, I guess. Bears at Buccaneers. That's another W. Just don't trust Baker Mayfield there. Week three, Bears at Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. Give them an L. Um, week four, Broncos at Bears. I'm going to say because it's in Soldier Field and not in Mile Hot, I'm going to say the Bears win that one again. We really don't know what the Broncos are going to be. Obviously, we don't expect them to be as bad as last year, but until I see it, I'm not going to say shit about that. Bears at Commanders. Again, Commanders kind of don't know what's going on there. If Sam Howell is going to be good, they could seriously be a really competitive football team, but until I see it, not going to trust it. That's another W. Vikings at Bears. Vikings coming into the Bears. I think the Vikings are going to regress a little bit. Give me a W there. Raiders at Bears. Again, another one of these cases. It's in Soldier Field. Maybe if this was in Vegas, I'd give the Raiders the edge. Hell nah. Don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Don't like that guy. Give me another W. Bears at Chargers. I'm actually going to be going to this game, and it is Sunday Night Football. So, for the life of me, I hope the Bears win this game. It'd be so fucking fun to see Justin Fields and the boys give me a W live. But I'm going to give them an L. I'm going to be conservative here. Give them an L. Bears at Saints. Again, this is another game. Maybe if it's in Soldier Field, I give the edge to the Bears. But because it's in New Orleans, I'm going to give it to the Saints. I actually think the Saints might be pretty good this year. Um, not great, but pretty good. At Week 10, Panthers are visiting the Bears. Again, another case, Soldier Field, home field advantage. Give me the Bears there. Panthers, young, exciting team. If you're a Panthers fan, if Reese, you're listening to this, a lot to be excited for, but I just don't think this is the year that you're really going to bring it all together. Give me a W for the Bears. Bears at Lions, have them splitting with the Lions. Give me an L there. Bears at Vikings, again, splitting with the Lions, or splitting with the Vikings, give me an L there. Lions coming to the Bears, home game for the Bears might be playing for the postseason at this point give me a w there week 14 bears at browns i just don't think this is a good matchup i think the browns could really be cooking with greece at this point the afc north is going to be stupid competitive i'll just say that right now well so is the nfc north these 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 two conferences in particular or divisions i guess the afc north and the nfc north they're going to beat up on each other it's going to be a really really tight race give me the browns there week 15 cardinals at bears come on Give the Bears a W. It's the Cardinals. They might be the worst team in football this year. Week 16, Falcons at Bears. Again, maybe if it was in Atlanta, I would have said the other way around. This is going to be a crazy rushing attack game. Both of these teams might rush for like 200 yards this game. Give me the Bears. Bears at Packers, week 17. This might be for all the marbles. This might be for the division, but it's in Lambeau. I'm going to be conservative. I'm going to respect Jasper and his team. If you're listening to this, that was probably too loud. Give me the Packers. Give the Bears an L. That brings it together at 10-7. NFC North champions. Yeah, baby. You heard it here first. More realistically, we'll probably go like 9-8 and eight or 8-9. Eight and nine. But I genuinely think that our floor is like 7 wins. I think at absolute minimum, we get 7 wins. I think our ceiling could even be like 11 or 12. I don't think that'll happen. Don't get me wrong. So I'm going to shoot right in the middle and I'm going to say 10 wins. That's still pretty optimistic and that might sound a little delusional. I don't fucking care. I'm buying in. I love my team. And I've got their back. 10-7, and seven, barely squeaking out and winning the division. Maybe I shouldn't have said they were winning the division because that's kind of spoiling it for the rest. But I already did mention they're going to beat up on each other. So let's move on to the next team. Give me one second. I'm going to get a drink of water. Cut this segment right here so I can time it up where it is. And yeah, let's get into the Packers next, guys. This one hopefully won't be 22 minutes long. <laughs> All right, the fucking Packers. Fuck this team. Ripping my heart out for basically my entire life. Well, obviously with the Packers, we have to start with some notable names and free agency and trades that they 
Well, they only lost shit. They didn't really sign anyone at all like they never really do. They had a ton of draft picks. They had 13 draft picks this year, but obviously got to start with them trading Aaron Rodgers. They got two picks, one of which ended up being Luke Musgrave. The other ended up being Carl Brooks. And then, of course, they got another conditional second round pick that is more than likely going to end up being a first rounder unless... Aaron Rodgers gets injured, you know, halfway through the season or something like that. It's only 65% of the snaps that he needs to play. So Packers essentially got Luke Musgrave, Carl Brooks, who I'll get there, but that was an absolute steal of a pick and a first round pick for next year. Obviously, the Jets are more than fine with giving that up if it means that getting a Super Bowl for them. That's ultimately the goal, but we'll get to that once we get to that. I'm not going to preview the Jets today. So let's talk about who the Packers lost. They lost Alan Lazard, who clearly was never going to be the number one option there anyways. And honestly, they have a really good group of young weapons there. Adding Jaden Reed in the second round also helps out of Michigan State. He's got a little bit of Jahan Dotson to his game as far as he's not a very big guy. I think he's only 5'10 and honestly doesn't have the greatest athleticism. But for his size, he's a contested catch monster. Pretty similar to like a Josh Downs or a Jahan Dotson. All kind of in a similar realm to me there. Um, Jahan Dotson someone who you should definitely keep on your radar this year in fantasy. think he can be a stud. They lost both their tight ends, being Robert Tunyon and Mercedes Lewis, both of which actually signed with the Chicago Bears. I don't know if I mentioned that in my Chicago segment, but um, again, coming from the Packers offense, going to the Bears offense, it's the same fucking offense. So they're going to fit in seamlessly. Either way, the... Uh, Packers decided to replace both of those up front with Luke Musgrave, as I mentioned earlier, who's not really a pass-blocking tight end, but is a really good athlete, can stretch the field vertically in the seams, and just a really good fit in this offense, especially facing the defenses that they're going to be facing in their own division. And then they also added Tucker Craft, who's a really, really good athlete out of South Dakota State. Sorry if you can hear my dogs. Um, and can do a little bit of both as far as pass-blocking and pass-catching. They also lost Randall Cobb, <laughs> again, him and Lazard going to the Jets, joining their old buddy Aaron Rodgers. They lost Jaron Reed, and they also lost Dean Lowry, two defensive linemen. Again, that's not too concerning, and one of them was replaced with Lucas Van Ness, who's going to be a day one starter. They had, again, mentioned it earlier, a massive, massive draft class for the Green Bay Packers. They addressed needs in Tucker Craft and Luke Musgrave, as I mentioned Um of course, Van Ness with their first pick in the second round, Jaden Reed in the second round, and then Carl Brooks, who I need to mention here because I just can't figure out. I know he went to Bowling Green, and I know the competition was that great, and I know there was concerns about arm length, but the production doesn't lie. He was absolutely insane, just absolutely unblockable. Played in a little bit of a weird role there, too. He wasn't like a true edge, but he wasn't really an end. Definitely not an outside linebacker. He's being listed as an outside linebacker, I think, for the Green Bay Packers. I, I It doesn't really matter what he's going to play. He's going to play that, like, five-tech on the end, and he's going to be on the outside shoulder of the tackle, and I think he can get a, give a lot of tackles problems in the NFL. The fact that he fell all the way to the sixth round just with the production he has I get it. Maybe there's some concerns with his frame. Maybe he wasn't playing against the best competition. But sixth round for a guy that had 12 sacks and 74 pressures last year is fucking ridiculous. I don't care if it's at Bowling Green. That's like Cole Strange went in the first round, right, out of Chattanooga. If Cole Strange can go in the first round, why can't Carl Brooks go in the third? 
He went in the sixth round. I just I don't I don't get that at all. That was an absolute steal. And it gives them a ton of depth at their defensive line. It honestly is pretty scary. They have a lot of versatility um, amongst their defensive line. And if Quay Walker can take another step forward, we know how good DeAndre Campbell can be when he's at the peak of his powers. He's obviously a very up-and-down player who at times just completely disappeared and then had an all-pro season for Green Bay. Kind of came back down to earth this last year. But with Quay Walker there, you really expect him to be like, pick up some of that ground that DeAndre Campbell might lose. And that defensive lineman in front of him is versatile and they have a ton of big names. Obviously, Kenny Clark leads the way and they just feel pretty positionless. They don't have like a true three tech or a true edge or a true nose. It just feels like these guys can line up inside, outside, do whatever you need them to do. I mean, Rashawn Gary was a guy coming out of Michigan that could do a lot, really good off stunts, really good coming off the edge. Van Ness, very similar guy with inside power, but also, you know, Maybe needs to work on a little bit, but has the potential to rush from the edge, has that ability to bend and do that too. And then, of course, Devontae Wyatt, absolute stud coming out of Georgia. Again, another one of these guys with positional versatility. Preston Smith is still there. He's more of a true edge guy that's just going to, you know, be, excuse me, a primary pass rusher. But I just listed five names there, and they're, they're all really solid and all very versatile. It is pretty scary from a defensive point of view. And then, of course, good DBs on the back end to match them. Don't have too much depth there. Rasul Douglas and Jair Alexander are one of, if not the best cornerback tandems in the league. I still hate Jair Alexander's attitude, but you gotta give him that he is a really good cornerback. He is a really good player. Um, even though I hate how fucking cocky he is and I hated his interview in the top 100 so bad. The fact that he can say with a straight face that nobody's ever beaten him and whoever beats him is in some way like something he did wrong and it wasn't actually them like dude shut up i don't know i hate that shit just i hate when players have absolutely no humility it really bothers me unless they're literally like the best at their position undoubtedly even then it's still like have some humility dude and jay alexander don't get me wrong he's top five but he is not the best cornerback in the league and i don't really think it's close okay i'm getting into a rant about jay alexander's personality this doesn't matter at all my point is the cornerback depth past those two guys, Rasul Douglas and Jair, gets a little bit shady. Obviously, Eric Stokes, a guy they invested some early draft capital in a couple years ago, but he's beat up at the moment, so nickel cornerback might be a spot of concern. Keyshawn Nixon is a guy that showed a lot of promise at the safety spot and has some nickel versatility, but that doesn't mean he's going to you know come in as a starter and take over that job. I still think it's a position they could address. Uh, either way, their defense has the potential to be pretty damn scary um and let's get into their offensive side of the ball obviously all the pressure is on jordan love that's no surprise at all because this offense is set to win now it really does depend this team's floor and ceiling literally might be the highest in the entire conference if jordan love can play like an mvp caliber candidate this team is gonna win a shit ton of football games if he's just kind of mid to below average this team is probably only going to win seven or eight games. It really is that big of a difference because this team is, I mean, it's still pretty damn good. They've obviously they're young and they have some growing to do and they're probably not going to, you know, go out week one and be firing on all cylinders. But as the season goes on, you could really see this team building hope for the future, building a solid foundation because they are so young and a lot of their weapons are in their second or first year in the league. I mean, their primary guys, as far as receiver goes, 
are second-year receiver Christian Watson, second-year receiver Romeo Dobbs, first-year receiver Jaden Reed, first-year tight end Luke Musgrave, first-year tight end uh, Tucker Kraft. So obviously there's going to be some growing pains there. But I mean, if they can find a way to get it clicking early and get on the same page early, this team can be good for a really long time. And it's honestly really scary as a Bears fan. And as a Packers fan, you have to have some hope as long as Jordan Love is just fine. And you can hopefully see the projection for him to continue to develop. And you'd think after being on the bench for four years behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation, that he would be learning and soaking up you know he obviously knows the offense very well because he's been in the same system for four years it hasn't changed the coaching staff has not changed at all that's not the problem the problem is where is he at chemistry wise with these receivers and how is his just overall skill how is his ability how's his accuracy looking he, he missed a bad crossing route in the preseason game is that an exception to the norm or should we start expecting that from the season if that's an exception the Packers can be really damn good this year if that's going to be the norm the Packers might fall on their face this year and already a lot of people are expecting to regress I think Jordan Love is going to be mid to a little bit above average I don't think he's going to be anything special this year um but for those reasons I think that they can win more games than people think whoa sorry about that that was probably really loud I hope that doesn't happen again <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> there we go. And again, of course, we all know how good their offensive <coughs> their offensive line can be. And their running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, are one of, if not the best duos in the league as well. The offensive line pretty much stayed exactly the same from last year, and they're a pretty damn good unit. Their scheme helps them there as well. Does them a lot of favors. Goddamn, excuse me. Um, so, yeah, this is honestly... <laughs> Makes me pretty nervous as a Bears fan, and I still think they're going to be a pretty damn competitive football team because I think Jordan Love isn't going to be that bad. And I think the Bears and the Packers are really going to be the two teams fighting for the division. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by that because obviously the Vikings won it pretty easily last year. I think they had, what, 12 wins, 13 wins, whatever it was. I think it was 12 and 5 was there. And then the Lions ended up finishing second. So now I'm flipping this division on its head just the very next year. But I don't really care. So to go over my record prediction, obviously already talked about Packers at Bears week one. L for the Packers. Packers going to the Falcons. I have them going 0-2 the first two weeks, giving them another L to the Falcons. I just think that's a bad matchup, especially in Atlanta. I think Atlanta's going to be able to run the ball at will. Kind of reminds me of that Giants matchup last year in London. I think Desmond Ritter is just going to be able to do enough in the RPO, and I think that Green Bay is kind of just going to get eaten alive among, along the ground. Saints coming into Lambeau Field, W for the Packers. Lions coming into Lambeau, another W. Packers going to Las Vegas, getting another W. That's three in a row. Packers going to Mile High in Denver. That's an L. Vikings coming to Lambeau Field. That's a W. Rams coming to, to Lambeau Field. That's a W. Packers going to Heinz Field or whatever it's called in Pittsburgh. That's an L. Chargers going to the Packers. Chargers don't like to play in cold weather. Packers, really good you know, run game. I think that gives the Chargers some problems. Give them a W there. Packers going to the Lions, that's an L. Chiefs coming to the Packers, I'm probably going to have the Chiefs going like 17-0 this year. Obviously, that's not going to happen, but like I can't put my name behind picking a team against the Chiefs, so give me an L there. Packers at Giants, that's another L playing in New York. That's the difference maker there. Bucks at Packers, give me another W. Packers at Panthers, give me another W. Packers going to the Vikings, give me an L. 
Week 17, Bears visiting Lambeau Field. Give them another W. Again, mentioned that in the last one. That might be for the whole division. That has them sitting at 9-8. and eight. So again, very similar to the Bears. Can be 10-7. and seven, Can be 8-9. and nine. Going to be really, really competitive. Very interesting to see how they're going to finish the year. Let's get into the Lions. God, I can't wait to move back to school and have to deal with these fucking barking ass dogs. Um, if you know me, you know my parents breed dogs, and sometimes they can be really loud when you don't want them to be really loud. Let's get into the Lions, though. The Lions really made a splash this offseason by making big moves in their secondary. Obviously, they traded the third overall pick, former third overall pick in Jeff Okuda for a fifth rounder. He ended up going to the Atlanta Falcons. They signed CJ Gardner Johnson <clears throat> from the NFC Championship Eagles. He had a career year last year with six interceptions. Really was a fantastic free safety for him. Did a little bit of everything as well. They also signed Cameron Sutton, another guy who had a career career year. That's a weird word to say. Weird phrase to say. Um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, he was really fantastic for him. Had a bunch of pass deflections. Didn't have the biggest INT numbers, but was really disruptive at the, at the catch point during multiple you know, accounts. I think he had like 16 PBUs last year, some ridiculous number. Emmanuel Mosley is another guy they signed who, when he is playing, he has been fantastic. Just couldn't stay healthy for the 49ers over the past couple years. But the years prior to that, he was fantastic for him. Just, again, needs to stay healthy. It sounds like he's already dealing with some injuries there in camp. So, obviously, wishing him the best. Never wish injuries upon anybody. And when he is playing, he is really solid. So, adding three quality guys there. Other notable moves include Jamal Williams and David Montgomery. Jamal Williams obviously leaving for the New Orleans Saints, the guy who had 20 touchdowns last year. Really just sneaky fantasy guy because he was just scoring like no other. Huge goal line play there. Uh, Montgomery is really going to replace that role, in my opinion. They're both power backs. They're both really, really good at breaking tackles. Montgomery is just going to fit seamlessly into that, that role. Jameer Gibbs is going to be the second and first down guy or second and third down guy more like he's going to be catching a whole lot more balls Montgomery is going to be that workhorse power back which totally makes sense and then Marvin Jones is also back a guy who still has some left in the tank and obviously very familiar with Detroit Lions played there for a very long time and had some really really productive years there as well so that's really all they did in the offseason, just some running back movement and then some movement in the secondary, but definitely worth noting. Um, I think overall their secondary should be, be like, there's no way they can be any worse because they were honestly historically bad last year until the end of the season where Kirby Joseph and some of their other younger guys really started stepping up. But their secondary should be nothing but improved, obviously on paper, adding guys like that. there's You would think it wouldn't hurt them in any way, so you'd expect that to be better in the long run and then of course drafting brian branch was an absolute steal at 45 he's going to be a great nickel for them um yeah he can play some free safety he's technically listed as a safety but i think in, at the next level he really is going to be an elite nickelback because he is not afraid to tackle in the box he's a really really surefire tackler despite his smaller frame he's amazing at that he's really good at playing in the box being really extinctive can read plays really quick and nickel cornerback is one of those positions that it's it genuinely is one of the toughest positions in the entire nfl because you're covering these slot guys who can come in all shapes and sizes obviously you can get guys in the slot like a michael thomas type who can be 6'3 and 
can just move the chains by being efficient and not, you know, these jitterbugs. But you can also get these guys like a Braxton Berrios, for example, like a Wes Welker type, where I don't know why my mind went to Braxton Berrios first. That was pretty, I was just thinking like white Patriot type receivers, because that's like all I think about when I think of slot guys. Um, but those more like jitterbug, travel a lot of sideline and just not contested catch guys, but just work at their craft and work at getting open easily. Brian Branch can keep up with both of those types of guys and can do a whole lot more for you. So that was an absolute steal at 45. Still don't really get why he was there at that point. I know there's concerns about his smaller frame, but kind of the same argument I had with Carl Brooks earlier, where it's like, just look at the numbers, just look at the stats. Like, yeah, sure, maybe he's a little undersized and maybe he's not the perfect prospect, but I mean, he was doing so much for that Alabama defense. Seriously, one of the most important players on that team and it's Alabama for God's sakes and then of course they also added Jameer Gibbs he's going to be an amazing weapon for them going to catch a shit ton of balls obviously going to be more of that like Camara type role even less carries though I really don't think that this is a guy that's ever going to get more than 15 carries 15 12 carries a game I think he's going to be around like 10 8 to 10 I think Montgomery is going to take a lot of the work on the ground but he's going to be receiving that he's going to be that safety valve for Jared Goff and in my opinion, I don't know if that's worth the 12th overall pick for someone like that, but for a team like the Lions that feels like they can win now with this amazing offensive line, the, I get the argument in a way, you know what I mean? I, I can see why they would make that move, um, and he, he again, he's going to be an amazing weapon, probably going to be a fantasy stud. Don't know how much I'm taking him, especially because it feels like he's just going so early, but I get the argument for it because he's going to be catching a shit ton of balls. If you play PPR, that's... A huge plus obviously and he is extremely explosive can basically take any ball to the house um, just a really really fluid runner not extremely what's the word like violent with his cuts or anything like that he's not gonna run run through you or power over you but he's just a smooth runner can cut on a dime and can turn it on so fast his acceleration is absolutely incredible another draft pick that I really liked that they made was drafting Hendon Hooker at 68 I mean, the upside is totally there. Hennon Hooker was fantastic for Tennessee last year. Obviously, an older prospect that's coming off an ACL tear. That's why he fell as, did, as far as he did. But again, the, the Lions are a team that feel like they can win now. They feel like they don't need, you know, any position. They don't need to play for um, need. They can take best player available. That's what they did in this draft. They took the best player available in Jameer Gibbs. They took one of the best players available in Jack Campbell. And then they took the best player available in Brian Branch. That's a strategy that has proven to you know help teams in the long run time and time again. And as I'm sitting here talking, I'm kind of talking myself in to the Detroit Lions. But regardless, a point that I'm trying to make here is Hendon Hooker. Definitely could be worth the risk at pick 68. He was a great distributor for them. Had a lot of Geno Smith at the Seattle last year in his game, if that makes sense. Just a good distributor, great deep ball. Um, always got the ball seemingly to the right player at the right times and just saw the open field. Just saw the field really well. And Hendon Hooker is a guy that, again, older prospect coming off an ACL tear, but Jared Goff, we've already seen, is not really a guy that can carry your team to a Super Bowl. Obviously, he can get you there. We saw that with the Rams. But the roster around him needs to be really damn good. Hennon Hooker potentially has the upside to be a franchise guy. So totally get the, the risk there. And that was a great pick for him. Offensively, again, just mentioned it. Goff is very serviceable and can distribute to his weapons well. But 
it helps that he is the best offensive line in the league. Jameer, Jameer Gibbs is going to be a great safety valve for him, as I mentioned. The Jamison Williams suspension is definitely going to put pressure on this on him especially as the season you know starts i think he's banned like or banned i think he's suspended three games so the clock really is on for him obviously he's only a second year player but he basically missed the entirety of his rookie year and even at that he only made a couple plays when he got there so <clears throat> i think this year there will be a lot of pressure on Jamison Williams to prove that he was worth that high of, of a draft pick because I think he was also taken 12th overall. Not only was he taken that high, but they traded up to get him, if I'm not mistaken. So I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Jamison Williams this year, especially with DJ Chark now gone. He's really going to be that sole guy as the vertical stretcher and just opening up the offense for everyone else. So again, a lot of pressure on Jamison Williams to, to perform this year defensively. I've already talked about their improved secondary. If Hutchinson can take another step forward, then you know it's going to help everyone else around him. Besides that, I don't think there's that much depth along the defensive line that I really love. I mean, Ali McNeil is good, but he's not great. And then other than that, there's just not too much to write home about. But again, Aiden Hutchinson, if he can really reach his ceiling, you don't really need that much other than him because he's a Max Crosby type of player where he's just relentless and his ceiling is absolutely there and he can totally take over football games from his position if he can hit his ceiling obviously we want to see him take another step forward and prove that he is their guy going forward but i really think he can do that this year just need to add some more guys around him in the future and i really think that they'll have something really good cooking on that defensive line in detroit because obviously on the offensive side of the ball their offensive line is one of if not the best in the nfl already so with all that being said, let's get into the record predictions. These are getting shorter and shorter as I go on, but hey, it's the Lions. I don't really care. Lions at Chiefs week one. Obviously, I said it earlier, Chiefs are going to win that one. Seahawks at Lions. I'm pretty big or pretty high on the Seahawks this year, but this could definitely be one that goes either way. I'm going to have the Seahawks sneaking this one from the Lions at home. Falcons go into the Lions. This is where the Lions get their first W. I accidentally wrote L, but I meant to put W. Um, so they're... they're what are they now? They're one and two. Lions going to the Packers. That's an L mentioned earlier. Panthers coming to the Lions, playing them at home. That's a W for the Lions. Lions going down to Tampa, playing the Buccaneers. That's a W. Lions going to Baltimore, playing the Ravens. That's an L. Raiders coming into town and playing the Lions. That's a W. Lions going to LA, play the Chargers. That's an L. Bears at Lions. So the... Oh, wait. I think I did this wrong. I think I accidentally had the Bears... Um, wait, did I? Yeah, I, oh no, 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 I did that right. Yeah, Bears at Lions, so the Lions get the home game. That's a W for them. Um, Packers at Lions, that's another W for the Lions. Two in a row against divisional games. Lions going down to New Orleans, playing the Saints in the Superdome. That's an L. Lions going to the Bears, playing in Soldier Field. That is an L. Broncos at Lions, because it's at home, I'm going to give it to the Lions. I really struggled with that one, though. I sat there looking at it for a while. Lions at Vikings in Minnesota, that's an L. Lions going to Dallas week 16, that's going to be another L. And then week 17, Vikings coming into town, playing Detroit, that's a W. Have them sitting at 8-9. and nine. So again, this com this division is crazy, crazy competitive. Have them, I think I have them, I must have them as the same record as the, did I just say the Packers were 8-9? Am I tripping? 
No, they're nine and eight. So again, so I have the Bears going ten and seven. I have the Packers going nine and eight, and then I have the Lions going eight and nine. So, what do you guys think? Let me know. Um, hit me up on Instagram. Make sure to follow me over there. And we still have the Vikings to go, so I'm gonna do that last one, and then let's get out of here. All right, Vikings fans. I think you're gonna hate me for this one, but whatever. I don't really care. You guys had a negative point differential last year, like significantly, like negative twenty three or something. And you went 12 and 5. That makes no damn sense. And you only beat us by like, you barely beat us both times we played. Actually, maybe one time you spanked us. I think at Soldier Field you spanked us. But that game we had against you guys in Minnesota, we almost had that shit. But we choked it at the end. And you guys barely won by one possession. Either way, it doesn't matter. Minnesota Vikings, free agent additions this year. They they stayed decently quiet, but they also made some good moves. They signed Byron Murphy, which I think is their best move they made in the entire offseason because their cornerback need was brutal. They've needed cornerbacks for three straight seasons. They've been drafting cornerbacks nonstop. None of them have ever seemed to work out. They lost Patrick Peterson, who was probably their best cornerback last year, but was you know aging. So they needed a new young guy to replace him with. Byron Murphy comes in, has inside-outside versatility. Really, really like that fit there. Thinks, thinks. He, I was like, I don't know where I was going with that thought. I think he still might be getting better. That's what I was going to say. Um, and again, can do a lot for your defensive team. Marcus Davenport coming in, a guy that has been very up and down in his career, not really because of production wise. Like when he's on the field, he has played really well, but just has dealt with a lot of injuries, hasn't played. You know, more than like, I forget what the snap count was, but he really hasn't played that much football in his career because he just simply cannot stay on the field. But they needed someone to replace Zedarius Smith with, to Zedarius Smith with, there we go. Um, and it was a pretty cheap contract. So from that point of view, I totally get it. it has some incentives in there um, if he does cross certain barriers. But again, you don't mind paying more to a guy if he's being as productive as you want him to be. So I actually really like the deal that deal there for the Vikings, I think it's pretty smart because, again, when Davenport is playing, he's efficient, and it's not like they paid him too much. It's only a one-year deal. They also took Dean Lowry from the Packers. Excuse me. That's sort of the Dalvin Tomlinson replacement there. Um, I don't think he's quite as good, but stealing a quality starter from a division rival is always a W in my books, and I think that makes a lot of sense. They also kept Alexander Madison around, obviously taking over as RB1 in Minnesota, replacing Dalvin Cook. He's now signed with the New York Jets. Again, totally makes sense. That was a guy that they were never going to let walk because if they did, they wouldn't have any running back depth, and even as is, they really don't have much depth behind him. So Alexander Madison is definitely a guy to keep your eye on in fantasy football. Don't know how much I'm really targeting him, but again, he is a guy who is completely by himself taking the whole workload and he has been really effective when Dalvin Cook was down in Minnesota and they look exactly the same like despite literally looking exactly the same on the field like the dreads and just like the like the way they play is even similar they're slashers they hit a hole they hit it hard and they go they're quick accelerators you know one cut go type of players and Alexander Madison might have a pretty good year this year for the Minnesota Vikings should he stay healthy now, here we get to some losses. Eric Kendricks, veteran linebacker that's been, you know, just so solid for them each and every single year. I believe he's played for them for eight years now. And he's made the All-Pro team, I believe, twice, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's a pretty big loss for him. More of a coverage-type linebacker, but a really instinctive guy and made a lot of big plays for them. 
single-handedly won them that incredible game against the Buffalo Bills last year. So that's a very important loss, in my opinion. Patrick Peterson, this is another guy that was is definitely on the decline in the league, but was still very effective for them last year. It was very effective at playing zone. He's such a smart cornerback. That's really where he thrived this last year. And I really do think that he could help a lot of these young DBs like Andrew Booth, like Byron Murphy, like some of these other guys in their building. But they choose to let they chose to let him go, which I think is going to end up biting them in the ass. Dalvin Tomlinson, another guy who went, again, another move that I think might end up biting them in the ass. Feels like a really, really good move for the Cleveland Browns to pick up a guy like this. And then they also lost Irv Smith, who, it, I mean, it's horrible to say because it just doesn't matter. Irv, Irv Smith could not stay on the field. He was always dealing with injuries. I wish him the best. I think he's in Cincinnati now, if I'm not mistaken. And he's, we know what the potential could be. We saw it at Alabama. He was a really good receiving threat, kind of similar to an Evan Ingram, but he just could not stay on the field at all. As far as their draft goes, I want to highlight two picks in particular that I think were fantastic. Obviously, Jordan Addison was their first pick. He's not really known for his athleticism at size, but at USC and at Pitt, he was extremely productive and always found a way to just make it work. He was a great separator. He's a clear upgrade from Adam Thielen. Has a little bit of that Devontae Smith where he's actually is kind of an underrated contested catcher and can make just a whole bunch of plays, but he's just smooth. He always seems to be open, always seems to be at the right place at the right time. Very quarterback friendly. And from that point of view, I think he's going to be very efficient in this Minnesota Vikings offense. Again, I don't know if it's going to necessarily directly translate to wins, and we'll get to that in a second. I'm probably going to get a lot of shit from my record prediction for this team, but I really don't care. Jordan Addison, probably going to be pretty efficient, and he's definitely a clear upgrade over Adam Thielen. It was a position of need because beyond Justin Jefferson, they really didn't have a lot. KJ Osborne has had some moments, but nothing really to write home about either. And then Makai Blackman, another Trojan. They got two Trojans. I really want to highlight both of them. This feels like a steal. Vikings secondary, I mentioned it earlier, has been bad for a few years now, and not only did they add Andrew Booth last year, they signed Byron Murphy. Their secondary, you know, may have a third long-term starter in Makai Blackman. He was a really, really good coverage guy there at USC. Transferred from Colorado, continued to be really effective at USC. And I just think it's a really good move for the Minnesota Vikings and can definitely help them in the long run. The problem is they still didn't really address their interior offensive line problems. That's really what cost them that playoff game last year against the Giants. Dexter Lawrence was just living in Kirk Cousins' lap. That's a weird way to put that. But he, <laughs> he was all over Kirk Cousins in that game because, frankly, Ezra Cleveland... Um, oh, fuck. What's their other guard's name? I should have wrote this down. I thought I was going to remember it, but now I'm, now I'm blanking. Um, I'm not going to look it up. Point is, their guard play really was not great last year in the slightest. Garrett Bradbury has had some moments where he's looked good, but as a center, he's very undersized and can get overpowered by a lot of these bigger defensive linemen, such as a Dexter Lawrence. Um, and now, you know, the Bears have brought in guys like Andrew Billings and Zach Pickens and Gervin Dexter. Just saying, that's going to give your interior offensive line some problems. Um, and Kirk Cousins, not a mobile quarterback. That's definitely something that he's going to struggle with. Dealing with pressure up the middle, especially for immobile quarterbacks, has become you know the biggest kryptonite for a lot of these pure pocket passer guys. And Kirk faced a shit ton of pressure up the middle last season. He faced a shit ton of pressure up the middle in that Giants game last year. And I frankly think that was the difference in the game. So... 
I really do think that's going to be their kryptonite, and I really do think that they regress in a lot of ways last year. This was a team that Kirk Cousins had like four, or no, sorry, he had eight fourth quarter drives for comebacks at the end of the game. They won by single digits in almost every single game they play in. I just don't think that's sustainable. I think they come back down to earth a little bit. Um, I think a lot of analysts and guys in the sports world would also agree with this take, but at the same time, I think a lot of Vikings fans have a good point where it's like, hey, we won 12 games last year. You can't just dismiss us that fast, but I'm doing it. I have them finishing last in the NFC North, and I know I know that's probably too bold, and I know I'm probably way too high on the Chicago Bears, and I'm probably just riding that high. Um, but hey, I feel like I'm honestly being pretty fair, especially when you're going through some of these schedules. The Vikings have a fucking rough schedule, as they should. They were they finished first in the division. They've got a first place schedule. So week one, Bucks at Vikings at home. Got a W for the Vikings there. Vikings going to Philadelphia playing the Eagles. That's an L. Chargers coming to Minnesota playing the Vikings. Actually have them winning that game. Vikings going down to Carolina playing the Panthers. That's another W for the Vikings. Chiefs coming to Minnesota playing the Vikings. That's an L. Vikings going on the road visiting the Bears. That's an L. 49ers visiting the Minnesota Vikings. That's another L. Vikings going to the Packers at Lambeau Field. That's another L. You'll notice that's four L's in a row for the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings going down to Atlanta. Maybe if this was at home, I'd feel differently about this. But give me the Atlanta W. I'm actually kind of high on Atlanta this year. I like Desmond Ritter. I liked him coming out of college. I was much higher on him than most. I love Bijan Robinson. I love Arthur Smith. They've got some really good weapons. Improved their secondary a lot. So Falcons might have more wins than you guys think once I get to that part. Once I get to the NFC North preview or South preview. I'm doing the NFC North right now. What am I saying? Saints go into Minnesota. I'm going to say that the Vikings win that one again. The Vikings have given the Saints a bunch of problems in recent years. I think that trend continues here. Vikings going on the road, going to Mile High Stadium, visiting the Minnesota, or not the Minnesota Broncos, the Denver Broncos. I'm giving Minnesota another L there. Vikings going, or sorry, Bears going on the road to visit the Vikings. That's a W for the Vikings. Vikings going on the road to see the Raiders because it's in Las Vegas. This is the single team in the North that's going to lose to the Raiders. Have them losing a game there. Vikings going on the road to Cincinnati. Come on now, Cincinnati. That's an L. Um, and then I have the Lions. Did I miss a couple games? It looks like I'm missing some. I think the Packers at the Vikings is supposed to be in here. Um, and I think the Vikings at Lions are also supposed to be in here. So I think I fucked this up. I just realized, I think they should have more wins than they actually have. Either way, that would have them at 8-9. and nine. <laughs> So it really doesn't matter. So my point is, I guess the Lions and the Vikings tie for last in the NFC North. And again, it just shows you how competitive this division really is. Yeah, this would be 8-9 and because I'd have them losing, winning against the Packers, and then losing at Detroit, and then closing out the year beating Detroit at home. So that would make them 8-9 and nine on the year. Have them finishing tied for last in the NFC North, but eight and nine is really not that bad of a record. It's just more, it's more telling to how close the NFC North is than how bad the Minnesota Vikings will be. And again, I just think they regressed a little bit this year. So that's going to do it for me, guys. What do you guys think of my predictions? To go over everything quickly one more time because records are really what people care most about. I have the Bears winning the NFC North at ten and seven, but again, more realistically, because I am kind of, you know. Riding a high with the, with the Chicago Bears. Been watching a lot of Chicago Bears content recently and kind of talking myself into it. Have them going 10-7, and seven, winning the division. More realistically, they'll probably go 9-8 and eight or 8-9. and nine. 
have the Packers finishing second at nine and eight, and I have the Vikings and the Lions tying for last at eight and nine. Basically, it's going to be a bloodbath in this division. It's going to be super, super close. It's going to be super competitive. Super excited to see how it all goes down. Sorry if you can hear me sifting through my papers. I'm trying something a little bit new. I didn't write my notes on my computer. I actually wrote them on paper. I feel like they helped me memorize them a little bit more. So, I don't know. We'll just, we're testing shit out. We're getting back into this podcast grind. Let me know what you guys think about this episode. Be sure to follow me over on my Instagram at Murphy's League. Be sure to follow me here on Spotify. Share this with your friends and family. If you're a fan of one of these teams, go DM me on Instagram. Let me know what I fucked up on. Let me know what I got right. And yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it all. Peace out.